0: He's introduced you to great coffee.
1: Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee.
0: Great music. Good win in a wrestling match, Lemmy or
1: God? Lemmy. Ah, God. Wrong, Dick. Trick question. Lemmy is God. Great travel. That's the dream. It's not the destination, it's the journey. All things to enrich your life. If
0: you're good at what you do, people will recognize that. Now. He's ready to tackle itself.
1: Whoop-de-doo, what does it all mean?
0: With some great guests with even better life stories. Yes, even better than how he almost failed grades 2, 4, and 7. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. You're listening to the Brenton On Tour Lifecast. Here's BD. My guest this week, Ted Fleming, owner, Partake Brewing, Yeah, they sponsor the podcast. He formed it when he got diagnosed with Crohn's disease and was forced to give up drinking. Yeah, I mean, that's been the theme so far of the first three episodes is the pivot from not drinking anymore. But Ted was forced into doing it and created a craft beer without alcohol. And uh, some of you are going, well, what's the point? There's no alcohol. Well, you know, it services a lot of different things. He had Crohn's disease. He can't drink anymore. It helps them. It's keto-friendly. It's vegan. It's gluten-free. It's only 10 calories. It tastes like a craft beer, and they've got five different brands to do it. they got an IPA. they got a pale. They've got a blonde. They've got a stout. They've got a red. They're all amazing. Ted's parlayed that into one of the fastest-growing companies in Canada, and he's won a pile of awards. So Ted's along this week to tell his tale about how you – do this how do you form you know this company and be brave enough to enter a space that uh you know is generally dominated by alcohol and drinking how do you pull people away from that and convince them to come into you so man he sponsors the podcast i'm so stoked to have them on and he's perfect for the life cast so this is the story and the life of ted fleming from partake brewing here we go welcome to the podcast sir i thought I, I would tell your story and and uh and get a little bit about your life uh added to the mix here man
1: awesome i'm so so stoked to be on the show brenton and uh love having fans uh across the country and and ones who are uh you know support it uh, as consumers and uh, advocates so you know so uh grateful to to be on your show and looking forward to our our conversation.
0: Yeah, it's been a, a real interesting journey uh, for me when it comes to uh, this product because I, um, uh, as I've touched on in uh, the intro to the Life Series and my first guest, uh, Claire Pooley, who uh, wrote the Sober Diaries, I uh, I have been uh, without alcohol for about 18 months. I mean, I, I started in 2019. I, I'm in the touring business, or in music, so I, I travel the world and I run concerts for a living. And... Uh, I wanted to find a new way to kind of tour and see if there was a way to do it without alcohol, which is a dominant part of what we do for a living. And uh, I just thought I would see if there was a way to do it. And then I stumbled upon your product, Partake. And I've I've moved along with um, various non-alcoholic brands and a few things that, that uh, I would try just to kind of see, get beta test to see how I felt about them and how they tasted and all the rest of it. And yours by far uh one and the, the fact that you're canadian and toronto and you have this uh, great story behind it it was really exciting to me to um to reach out and kind of see what you guys are all about so uh there's tons of information on the internet about how you got going if you want to break down sort of like this journey into non-alcoholic beer for you uh i would love to to give our our listeners a, a, a nice little uh, once over on what's happening with partake
1: Sure. So I'll, uh, I'll go back to the, the early days for me. And, uh, you know, the story really starts with with me in sort of my late 20s. And uh, unfortunately, at that time, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And, you know, that that was sort of the first domino in a bunch of changes in my life. But I didn't really realize it at the time. I think, you know, being a male in my late 20s, being a, a fairly good athlete at the time, I thought, you know, this, this won't affect me that much. I'll just kind of ride through it. And that, that really wasn't the case. That was just me being young and naive. And, uh, you know, the, the, the real turning point for me after that was I was on a vacation with my, my family, uh, my wife and my, my newborn daughter, my first daughter in 2010, we were in the Mediterranean in Malta and I got sick and I spent, over half of that vacation in the hospital. I had a great window with a nice view of the Mediterranean, but, you know, if you're sitting in a hospital and, uh, uh, when you're supposed to be on vacation, you have some time to reflect on, you know, where your life is going. And, you know, that combined with being a dad sort of for the first time and all the emotions that go with that, um, you know, I really got down to, okay, this is not how I want my life to, to unfold, I need to, you know, take more responsibility over what I can control, which is how I eat, how I exercise, um, the time I spend with, with those who are important to me. And so that was really uh, a turning point in my life where I said after I got out of the hospital that, you know, I'm going to make a real effort to, to change. And, and one of the big things that came out of that uh, was a decision to give up alcohol. And then that, you know, eventually led to trying non-alcoholic beer, as I said, I played a lot of sports, you know, hockey, soccer, tennis, squash. Um, after all those sports, the, the socializing that happens is usually around a beer. And so when I gave that up, I really found that difficult. And, and I was judged for that as well. And that also made it difficult. But if I had a non-alcoholic beer, you were still judged, but maybe not, not the same way you were at least, you know, in people's view, you were trying, you were trying to socialize. You weren't, you weren't being standoffish and I love the taste of beer as well. So that was, you know, it was, it was an easy thing to try, but you know, I found as many people did, you know, five, 10 years ago, there really wasn't much in terms of the variety in the non alk space. There were no styles of craft beer, um, and, you know, there, there really wasn't a product where you could take to a party or take to a social event and say, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of drinking this non-alcoholic beer and this is why I, I don't drink. And I think now you see people, when you tell that story, they say, wow, you know, I aspire to to maybe drink a little less and maybe not give up drinking totally. But you, yeah. you hear a lot of people saying, hey, I just I want to be healthier and I know that's that's a way to do it. You know, help me help me do what you've done. It's, it's, quite, really, it's quite It's you quite know something. I mean? It's quite something when you dive
0: into the world of, of, of it and you decide to, for whatever reason, whether it's Crohn's or, or it's, it's a different thing, people have their own reasons for either deciding to drink or not to drink. Um, but it's really interesting to me when you enter that space where all of a sudden you don't, and it's been such a prominent part of your world up to that point sports, music, like in my case, where it's just such a dominant factor in everything that you do, that the idea of not partaking is just so foreign to a lot of people. And I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of the psychology of it, but it's just unbelievable to your point about what you don't drink, huh? How can you, why why drink non-alcoholic beer? why not just drink a club soda lime well because this one tastes really good <laughs> it's, just, it's a good one and I just find that people uh I really had a hard time wrapping their head around around somebody that just doesn't uh, drink anymore and I was that a motivating factor for you to kind of start this thing was it like I need an option to to be able to still drink or I just want to create something
1: for people yeah. I think I, you know, fundamentally I was solving my own problem, which was right. I wanted something that tasted good. That was, that made me feel comfortable in social situations, something that I wouldn't be necessarily judged or pointed out to, you know, within a social context of saying, Oh, he's, he's not drinking. And, you know, everyone goes, Oh, stay away right. from him. Type right. thing. Um, so yeah, fundamentally I was solving my own problem. Um, but in so doing, there are a lot of other people out there who, you know, were experiencing the same things I was experiencing. And, you know, when we came to market and, you know, had the story behind why we were doing it and then the product turned out exceptionally good. Um, you know, we won, we've won multiple awards around the world, including, the world beer award for best non-alcoholic beer. And, and uh, you know, that's something people can gravitate to, not just, you know, the early adopters, which were people like me that had a, you know, an acute condition or a very specific reason for drinking non alc already, but we're now seeing a shift towards a much broader um, acceptance of, of it as just something that fits oh. into socializing in general. And there's a time and a place for a non alk beer that tastes great which partake is is certainly at the top of the list uh i'm a little biased but uh that's my opinion and i mean uh, i tried
0: i've tried a bunch of them and i, I really like the nanny state uh, out of scotland i think it's really great they make a um, um they make a really great one uh from Brewdog. dog uh, over there yeah. but uh and red racer here in vancouver uh has a, has a really great one but those are like the only between you, you three you're really the only three that i've had and i'm actually I was actually a whiskey guy in my day <laughs> so to me to go to the partake side of it the interesting part is that when i have it now uh or offered around the first reaction is oh non-alcoholic beer and then people try it and they go man this is really really good and the fact that you've got the stout you've got the um you've got the stout the ipa the the blonde the pale it's awesome it's all these really great ones um it really gives people a variety and option and it really hits every single person's taste level i mean i've got a craft craft beer guys in my life i got a guy that has a brewery here in vancouver um and they've all really enjoyed it and they all they're like wow this one's as close as we've tasted so congratulations on on that um what is that process without getting into your secrets? But I mean, can you walk to people through how you actually make a non-alcoholic beer? Because sure. I, I get that question a lot. People are like, well, how do they get it to taste so good? But not like, you know, so I, I'm like, well, let, let me get Ted to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> so well, for,
1: before I dive into that, I'll say that we, we also have a red ale uh available now as well so a fifth a fifth style so still rounding I, out our which I
0: can't find out here in Vancouver I've been looking everywhere for it so yeah I haven't yeah, tried it's, it. I'm,
1: it's I'm, available trying.
0: online at this point and uh, retail retail is coming ah close my friends keep paying attention we'll be talking about it over
1: the next episode so where you can find it so Awesome. All right, so I'll I'll dive into the uh, the question of how do you make it. So yeah, you know, generally speaking, there's there's sort of two schools of making non-alcoholic beer. One is um, one is reliant on dealkalization. I think that's probably what most people are familiar with as as a way to make non-alcoholic beer. So you would you would brew typically a five percent beer, and I think some of the larger companies that that make a lot of alcoholic beer do it this way because of their their economies of scale, but they'll brew a five percent beer. They'll put it through either uh, a thermal process, so they apply heat, and um, alcohol boils at a lower temperature than water, so it uh, evaporates off of the the beer. Um, the other method of dealkalization is uh, is becoming more prevalent now, which is using a membrane filtration process, and that uh, at a Molecular level can separate alcohol from the um, the other constituents of, of the beer. So that's uh, you know if you group that on one side, that's dealkalization. On the other side, which is uh, I think a bit more common in some of the, the the German breweries and European breweries, is they use a process called arrested fermentation. So they'll they'll start the brewing process largely the same as as a traditional beer, um, but they will have a lot of process control in their brewery where they can subject the, the the beer that's being brewed to, to cold temperatures quickly. And those cold temperatures deactivate the yeast. And then the yeast is removed from the beer before uh, sugars are metabolized uh, to a, you know, concentration, more than half a percent alcohol. So how, those does, are the two. How, how many did you? Ch- how many? How long was the beta testing process to get that
0: flavor that you wanted? What like you must have tasted, 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 and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's going to be our IPA, or oh, we got it, we nailed it. There's the blonde, or whatever. I mean, how many? How long? That must have been fun, but how long did that take to get that right?
1: Yeah. Some parts of it were fun. Some parts were tedious. Some parts were <laughs> depressing when you're, when you're dumping a bunch of beer and several hours of work down the drain. Cause it's just awful. is it's, it's, it's tough. It's like losing your baby, but, um, right. Yeah. I, I think the process for us, the experimentation process started in sort of late 2015 and we kind of had a a commercially viable prototype in, in our IPA was it was our first our first product and you know we not until late 2016 did we have a a viable prototype and then we didn't go to commercial production until later in 2017 so almost a two-year process from you know really starting to to, to try to crack the nut on this um, at the beginning to a to a time when we produced commercially. And our first batch was a bit of a disaster. Uh, the recipe wasn't followed the right way. We had to, we had to scramble to uh, you know, make sure our early Kickstarter backers, we did a Kickstarter campaign early 2017 yeah. and, and we promised delivery in July and it was September and we got the product. And even though two months late as far as Kickstarter campaigns go is early um, you know, the product wasn't right. So we had to, we had to work around that. It was a very, A much more hoppier ipa than i was intending um but we still so we we asked our customers we said hey who's who likes double ipas or really hoppy ipas and we basically were able to move half of a a batch that didn't turn out right to those people and and to this day i still have fans that come back and say when are you bringing that back and kind of we kind of nicknamed it hoppy accident But uh, we definitely have some fans waiting for that uh, hoppy accident to come back into our uh, repertoire. It's, it's funny how that is a great name for that, by the way, but it's funny how that
0: those stories take because just switching gears for one second, if you know, the, like the Guinness story, uh, about how they burnt everything by accident. So they, they were working towards this great, you know, uh, taste and then they burnt the barley or whatever. And so they ended up just giving it away to the locals and that was the one that was requested more than the one that they were working on. So now, yeah. now Guinness has this, has this burnt taste and that's a direct result of burning by accident. So you never know what's going to come out of it. It could be a big seller, right? So it's fascinating stories to me about
1: how people pull that together. So um, yeah, along, it's, along, it's along those same lines um, for us, when we're doing the design process, we, we, we basically had, three constraints we had to be less than half a percent alcohol it had to taste good and we had no money so it had to be cheap and yeah. so or, or or reason like or reasonably cheap so you know we designed around those constraints and another kind of accident that came out of it was when we first started doing the nutritional panel testing and because we're we're regulated as a food product in Canada rather than an alcohol product we're required to have a nutrition fact panel on our mm. product. And we started getting results back that said, it's only 10 calories. And we started scratching our heads saying, is, is that right? And we did more and more tests. We even switched labs to see if there was a lab issue and it kept came, coming back at this ultra low level. So we're, you know, we have a very high confidence that that's what it is now as we've done multiple styles and multiple yeah. tests. But at the, in the early days, we thought that was a mistake. And again, that's sort of like an unintended outcome of you know, having some other other uh, constraints you have to work around. So, you know, another another piece of our story that's uh, a little bit fortuitous. One of the
0: questions I, uh, I like to ask through this series, uh, considering it's life and we've been through, I've been through coffee, we've been through music, I've been through travel. We've had a, a couple of different modules, but this is the life section. So one of the sections uh, I want to focus on with this is, is just sort of the change in people's lives. And uh, not necessarily the change of um, of your life after switching from alcohol, but how has your life changed now that Partake is a thing? Because the work that you were talking about prior to, as far as getting it ready and the taste testing, was a lot of work. But now it's a lot of work, <laughs> even more. So what is Ted's life now? What's Ted's life like
1: Sure. So, you know, early days, um, I was running our website, doing everything. I was even delivering products. So I'd take, you know, someone would order online. I'd put it in my car. I'd drive it from West Toronto to East Toronto, and deliver it to the person. You know, because I'd save, you know, twenty bucks in shipping. shipping. Um, yeah. Things are a lot different now. I I have the title CEO, and it, you know, I'm still getting used to it. I don't know if I'll ever really get used to it, but we definitely have a, a team now that's, uh, you know, we have some great people on board. They're all very passionate about the product. Like that's, that's the number one thing we look at when we hire and bring someone on is, you know, do they, do they love partake? Do they kind of live the, the brand? Do they live the lifestyle or do they have someone who is, you know, important in their life that does, they don't necessarily have to firsthand, but they have to you know, kind of be touched by that, by that transformation. And, um, so yeah, for me right now, it's, uh, a lot of it's around hiring the right people, trying to find people that fit into our culture. When I try to do stuff in, in various departments, I usually get told to, to go away, which is, is sometimes, sometimes nice, but, um, yeah, it's it's definitely different now um, than it was before. But I, th- I think that process of you know starting from the ground up and doing everything yourselves yourself um, is very important, and it, it gives you a, a broad look at the the base of the business and how it was built. So um, those those early days are hard, but uh, you know they're part of the story that that make partake a brand that people you know uh, resonate towards. It's still growing, obviously. It's a it's a, a massive space uh, as far
0: as the competition. But I I still I back to your point about the the space of non-alcoholic beer uh, and non-alcoholic products in general. Uh, where what's the future of that? And I know that it's still a bit infant. It's really an infancy. I mean, I I remember Molson Golden or Molson Excel when I was coming through the 90s or or you know 2000s. There was always some kind of option, but now we're getting you know the market is flooded with options um who's gonna who's gonna really pull through that from a success standpoint like what do you, is it does it really come down to taste or is it the best marketing or is it just the, the as you touched on the people that are the most passionate because I, I, i'm I'm seeing a handful of them but uh i'm wondering who is
1: going to be able to sustain and pull this off Mm-hmm yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of factors into that. Um, you know, the big beer brands have, have obviously put some serious marketing dollars behind non elk and they, they, you know, had ignored the category for 50 years prior. Um, you know, the big, the biggest thing they really did was they they've always had non-alcoholic beers in their portfolios, but they never associated their number one asset, which is their brand with non elk. And now you have a Budweiser named, non-alcoholic beer you have a heineken name non-alcoholic beer etc so that that signals a fundamental shift in how those big companies see the category um but you're also seeing craft brewers into the space like a like a brew dog and you know they deserve some credit because they were they were an early doctor into non-alc um in in europe in particular um but I think, you know, something that, that is advantageous for us as a company is that we're, we're exclusively focused on non-alc. And and I think that's that's an important distinction for people who, who are interested in the category because we're in it for, I think, all the right reasons. And I think that there's question marks there around, you know, whether the big beer companies that, you know, in truth, their products aren't particularly healthy um, by nature. Um, so they, they, they don't have much of a a high ground from a moral point of view to say, you know, we're a healthy product or a healthy company just because they do have a non elk product now. So I I think that's a fundamental advantage that we have, that we're very focused. We're very passionate. We're in it for the right reasons. And I think for those, you know, those underlying reasons we'll stick around when there, when there are some bumps in the road. And right. I think you may see some brands from the alcohol companies um, kind of die off because there might be other opportunities for them. Hard seltzer being one that uh, I think is uh, you know a big a big thing for them right now that doesn't you know doesn't interest in us because of the fundamental reason why why we're in business. I, I I'm kind of finding right now with the with this space that
0: uh, there was a bit of. Feel, like feeling, it's like oh, Labatt's has a non-alcoholic beer. Who wants that? Molson has a non-alcohol, non-alcoholic beer. Uh, who wants that? But then you've got this specific, like specifically, what you're doing, focusing specifically on just being non-alcoholic. Uh, it, I feel like it just separates you from the rest of them, and. It opens up this space from the standpoint of like, if you go to an event and you set up a partake booth, like, well, you can set up beside Coke or Pepsi, technically, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. could set up something like that side. Um, but I think it really changes the game from the standpoint of like, oh, there's just a dedicated non-alcoholic space by this non alc company. And th- I just find it, it's really, personally, from a personal opinion, it's really going to separate you from from the big ones because the big ones, uh, well, we'll just put one out. And I, I think you've focused so much on taste. I can tell all, all of them are, i um, are fantastic. They're all really, really great. And, and I've tasted the other ones and they're just not the other And I have Dogs is great. Red, Ra- Red Racers is great, but you guys have clearly spent some time to get it right. And I really I commend you on that. And I think it's going to be, I think it's really going to go a long way to help you a lot through, through it. <laughs> Thank so. you. Awesome. Know, we, awesome.
1: we owe a lot to like our team, uh, our, our brewery, you know, they, they make a, you know, we, we design the recipes and they're great, but you know, consistency yeah. of, of production is, is a big thing as we become bigger. It's, it's, uh, it's important. And I think we do a great job on that. Um, you know, to your point about, you know, what, it what it means to associate and drink our product versus a non-alcohol product from an, from an alcohol company. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, if if they're trying to convey the message and they they themselves want to view themselves as I'm I'm doing this because I want to be healthier, um, because it's important to me, um, it's important. That's important to us, and I think people get that association that health and wellness is important to us, and it's 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 clear from what we do and and all of what we do, and I think that's that's a harder you know, a harder thing for a harder place for people to put themselves if, if it's a brand that's known for, for making alcohol. So, and, and to your point about, you know, where we can market, um, a fun one, people get a a kick out of is, is we've done well going to pregnancy and, and baby shows and pregnant moms, uh, you know, just love the fact that, hey, I can enjoy a great craft, great tasting craft, non alcoholic yeah. beer. And we can morally be there because, you know, we're not signaling there's no cross signaling between what we do and an alcoholic brand we may have under or an alcoholic product we may have under the same brand. We're we are fully into non alk and so we feel we have the moral high ground to do that. And, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We're willing to have fun with the fact that the fact that we are non alcoholic and, mm-hmm. and there are some interesting circumstances and, and situations where that, uh, that can be kind of fun. Uh, we're getting down on time for you. I know you're a busy guy and you got to get out of here. So um,
0: I, just a couple of things I want to touch on your dragon's den experience. How was that? People watch it across the land. They watch shark tank. What is that experience like?
1: I would, I would highly recommend it to any aspiring entrepreneur is a, it is a great experience uh, when you're sitting in the green room and, you know, waiting, for, waiting to be called on, on stage, so to speak, it's, it's incredibly nerve wracking. And, you know, I, I'd, you know, there's definitely some great ideas that go on there and there's some not so great ideas, but I think anyone that goes on there deserves credit for the courage it takes to, to get to that point And, and, you know, s- be in the den and, and pitch for, you know, the, the episode usually runs five to seven minutes of actual tape time on, on air, but you're usually in there for 45 minutes to an hour. Sure. And, you know, you're being grilled by a lot of questions and the the lights and cameras are on you. And, and uh, it's, it's a big deal. It can be a break, a make or break moment for, for some businesses. So, um, you know, everyone that goes on there uh, deserves a ton of credit and I would, I would recommend uh, you know, trying to trying to do that if if you're an up and coming uh, entrepreneur and looking to to take an idea to the next level. And now, listeners, you're going to have to YouTube
0: it to find out how Ted made out. I mean, we're in the promotion business, so go check it out to make sure that uh, you can see how how it went in, in his episode. You guys are across Canada. Uh, can you let the listeners know where they can find your product? I highly recommend to anyone right now, especially for the summertime outboating in any kind of scenario where you're actually not allowed to take alcohol, but you're slipping through the, you know, oh, I'll just take it on my boat and no one will notice. Hey, you know what? Don't take the risk. Take the partake, (laughs) like take a partake. Don't take the risk. It's fantastic. It tastes amazing. They got a taste for everybody. Uh, I love every single one of the ones that they make Uh, and you know, just do it. Where can people buy it right now? Where can they go get it?
1: Yeah, so right now we're pretty much available across Canada uh, Superstore, Loblaws, Sobe Safeway. Uh, we're in Calgary Co-op, uh, Whole Foods, and uh, available online through drinkpartake.ca. And uh, there's tons of other independent uh, liquor and natural uh, food stores as well, LCBO and beer store in Ontario also. Excellent. All right, my friend. Well,
0: I appreciate the time. Thank you so much to you and your team for jumping on, uh, putting this together to make it a time to get you on the podcast, as well as uh, jumping on as a sponsor for the Brent On Your podcast. I couldn't be more thrilled. Uh, I think it goes hand in hand with the this life series that I'm putting together where we're talking about life choices and new things that people have had to pivot and do and and how it's changed their life. And it looks like to me, uh, the choice that you made has really worked out well for you. Uh, I would say life is doing well. Uh, partake is doing great. Uh, any last words for the listeners? Um, and then we'll let you get out of here.
1: Yeah. I just want to say, you know, thanks for having me, uh, on the show, on your tour. Uh, love telling people about the, the story and, and, uh, you know, I think one takeaway is you know life can life can throw you some some curveballs, but there within within that struggle there's there's often opportunity. So you know, look uh, try to try to find the silver lining. Awesome. That's Ted Fleming.
0: Uh, Partake. Uh, look it up online, please. Uh, website for everybody to visit. Maybe send you a message. Drinkpartake.ca. Do yourself a favor. Pick it up. Be safe. Be healthy. And uh, Ted will hopefully talk soon, my friend, and uh, and catch up uh, down the road to see how you're doing. Amazing. Thanks, Brett.
1: The podcast Super Friends, is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers.